Welcome to episode six, Competitive Advantage. My name is Speko and Hari. Welcome to the Value Investor TV podcast. Uh, this is our sixth episode. Welcome, everybody. Before we jump into today's topic, competitive advantage, I want to remind you what we covered in the last episode. Last two to three episodes, we talked about okay, investing is a good place. Investing is something that you have to do if you want to retire. And there are different places to do it, different philosophy. We talked about value investing philosophy, why we think it's a good strategy. We also talked about why companies are the best place to look to put your money behind. And we also talked about, okay, we talked about those. And then we talked about what is the purpose of the company? What is the purpose of business? And lastly, in our very last episode, we talked about, okay, how do you start a company? The first thing you have to do is finance it. There are two different ways to finance it, roughly speaking, equity and debt. We talked about those things in the last five episodes. Today, we want to talk about, we want to dig a dip, uh, uh, we want to dig a bit more into companies and start analyzing them. And uh, we want to go back to the example that we brought up in the last episode, which is the hot dog stand. And the reason why we brought up the hot dog stand is to get us and you included the listeners to think about investing as as if you're owning the entire company as if you're as if you're the owner of the company so let's start with that so when you are starting your hot dog stand the first thing that comes to my mind and and to most people's mind is okay how can i how can i do better than the competition right there are so many hot dog stands and let's say you're starting in new york city so many hot dogs stand in New York City. Why is my hot dog stand better than theirs? Why should customer come to me? So those type of questions come to the heart of this matter, which is competitive advantage. Why is my hot dog stand better than everyone else? And why should I win business? Right. And so this is a very important concept as we move forward uh, in analyzing companies, because we'll talk about that later. We, you know, we'll talk about why competitive advantage is so important. I want to. I want to. Uh, Get get uh, Hari's take on uh, competitive advantage, Hari. Yeah, so you know, I think the way that you know, to, probably to start here, we should just what is what is a competitive advantage, or what mm -hmm. does that mean, really? And I, I mean, I think you can probably guess just from the words there, but <clears throat> you know, it, from a from the standpoint of a business itself has, you know, that has a competitive advantage is able to sustain itself in downturns and, and so on. You know, it, it gets to the heart of the matter is why is my business going to be able to effectively charge or make more money than some other business, right? Because at the end of the day, as we talked about in previous episodes, <clears throat> businesses exist to make the owners profit, right? Mm -hmm. And if the owners aren't getting, you know, they want to maximize that profit. And the best way to do that is to have some advantage over your competition. Mm -hmm. And, <clears throat> you know, there are def definitely different ways to have an advantage over your competition, but, you know... In in investing speak, you know Warren Buffett kind of coined this term a moat, right? Mm -hmm. And if you think about a castle, castle has a uh, you know is your your business's fortress, and you know there are always barbarians trying to get into that fortress. So what <clears throat> what prevents them from getting in? Well, that's that's a moat. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, a moat that has a wider moat with a deeper moat is more impenetrable than say a, a castle that is you know, has no moat, right? Or has a very narrow moat, right? It's easier to break break in. 
So, I mean, capitalism, the whole point of capitalism is to, you know, is competition, right? It allows the customer to get a better, you know, better value by having more competition. So, I mean, think about this, you know, when landlines came out in, you know, uh, you know, the price per phone call was outrageous. And then as more, you know, and then when, you know, and it was a monopoly. So AT&T could charge whatever they want at the time. So then as they started getting, um, deregulating this, there became more competition. Price started to come down. So the value became better for the customer. Well, when the value gets better for the customer, somebody has to pay for it. And that's usually the business, right? So competition is what, you know, is what is going to erode your business. What do you do to protect against that erosion from other things? Um, You know, there are businesses out there, you know, the restaurant industry is notoriously brutal, right? Mm -hmm. And we're talking about hot dogs right now, but we'll be talking about other businesses in the future. Um, You know, so if you have a great concept, right? Like think about, um, you know, burrito places or, you know, that, that opened up Chipotle started, but Chipotle wasn't actually the first one that did it. Um, You know, in, in Texas, we had some other ones, uh, Mission Burrito and Freebirds, and, you know, Chipotle came in, at least in, in Houston, a little bit later, you know, and so after that happened, you know, Freebird's, you know, line started shrinking and, and you know, th- and that kind of thing. So restaurants are hot when they first open up uh, and then they, you know, the business kind of tails off. So how do you keep, you know, people coming back to your restaurant? How do you, because I mean, it's very easy for you to drive past a restaurant to go to the next one. Mm-hmm. So People are constantly chasing the new things. So how do you keep people coming back to your restaurant so do, that, so you can sustain that profit? Right. Yeah. So competitive advantage, in other words, you know, it's a like Warren Buffett, like you said, Warren Buffett coded the moat, right? So you want to be able to protect your business from competition and eroding away your profitability. Yeah. And the better you're able to do that, the more sustainable your business is going to be. Yeah. I think Warren Buffett a lot of times uses the word sustainable some some edge uh, some sustainable like like a secret weapon like a secret sauce that no one can copy or you know, some, some 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 sort of edge that you can protect yourself against it's just like moat you know i think moat strategy moat analogy i think it's quite you know quite appropriate um so that, that's competitive advantage so when we think about competitive advantage right you think about um you know, you can think about different types of competitive advantage, right? We talked about in terms of in terms of um, food, in terms of food business, a competitive advantage. You could think, you might think, could be a brand, right? People walking into Starbucks, you know, there's a Starbucks brand versus some other Joe's Coffee. You might be more inclined to go to Starbucks because you know the quality of the business. There's a brand attached to it. And if you think about some other business, there might be other type of competitive advantage. So maybe a, a, another thing would be price. If there's Starbucks coffee and Starbucks coffee, or some other coffee that has some similar type of quality of brand, you might be more inclined to buy uh, buy coffee from a, a place that is charging you less money. So there's different types of competitive advantage, and so we want to touch on that. So let's start with uh, let's start with uh, monopoly. Monopoly is a type of competitive advantage. Tell us more about that, Hari. Well, I mean, there's, you know, obviously the word monopoly has a negative connotation, but, um, you know, back in the old days, there was, you know, the the standard oil and, uh, you know, the railroad industries had competitive advantages through a monopoly where 
they basically own the market, right? I mean, Pretty oil much. is a, oil is a, is a commodity, right? Um, I, you know, you can't charge you know more oil you know for a barrel of oil because you're Exxon, right? Mm-hmm. It's just the price of oil is the price of oil. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you have a monopoly, then you have the ability to control that. Now, there are natural monopolies that exist that are um, you know something that you just can't. Um, you know, it just has to be that way. So mm-hmm. if you think about it from the perspective of like a cable company, <clears throat> you know, the cable company in a lot of places, they have to run wires to the houses and they have to get that permit to do that from the city, uh, you know, to do so. So, you know, they're running this wire over your telephone line. Uh, you know, they the cable company do, or the uh, city doesn't want 50 cable companies running wires over mm-hmm. that. Um but then you know, so that's the the moat there. But then there is a there is also a thing like in uh, with energy here in in Texas. The way it works is the wire is actually owned by um, a different company, um, and any provider can provide the electricity you know to the grid. Uh, so the grid is owned by isn't owned by the power companies. So that is how you could lose that moat very quickly. Is that you the you know they deregulate that market change the law and then suddenly your moat just disappears overnight mm-hmm. right and so you, these are things that you have to think it's not just the the moat itself but it's the counterpoint to the moat right how do i lose that moat because that's how your business loses profit right very very quickly and sometimes that can happen overnight you know so regulation can change the way you know businesses operate exactly think about like in healthcare you know <clears throat> one procedure for you know in a doctor's office may be very vol- you know very profitable uh, and then the next day, you know, Medicare changes the rules and it's no longer profitable. Mm-hmm. So then that procedure just doesn't happen as much. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that's that is one, you know, one way of thinking about these monopolies is that there is a certain way to have it. But what prevents you from keeping that monopoly, you, you know, uh, you know, alive. Right. Mm-hmm. And that and sometimes that's not as uh, as rigid or strong as you think it is. Right. Yeah, monopoly um, <clears throat> is certainly a competitive advantage that you have to think about. And to Hari's point, you have to think about the counterpoint of, okay, you have this monopoly, but what could destroy this monopoly? Yeah. As an investor, you have to think about that. If you're looking at a company that's playing in this space with monopoly as their competitive advantage, you got to think about the counterpoint to uh, to just uh, touch on Hari's uh, point there. Okay, the second competitive advantage we want to cover is high switching cost. It's uh, sometimes called stickiness. Can you tell us about that, please? Yeah. So, you know, think about a service that you use um, where switching to a different service that competes with that is is just a pain in the butt, mm-hmm. right? And so where, um, you know, where you see a lot of that is, um, you know, think about like your your software that you use like online, like your TurboTax or yeah. Quicken, QuickBooks, that kind of stuff. So. You know, for a long time, these services were used by accountants. They're very familiar with it. Uh, for them to switch, it's not necessarily that they couldn't switch. It's just it's difficult to switch, and it, they, the other competitor may not have certain features. So, for example, in, in the TurboTax realm, the uh, QuickBooks realm, um, you know, and the, this is all owned by Intuit, uh, by the way, <clears throat> the switching is to, you know... it. You know, you you put in all your bank information. It downloads all of the transactions directly into uh, TurboTax. So for you to switch, some of the competitors don't have that ability. You know, 
that feature. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that's one reason you would stay. Mm. Uh, and as I've heard from several people, you know, that run small businesses and use this software, you just can't switch over because it just comparable features don't you know exist. And that's not your primary focus if you're running a small business. Right. Mm. We're running our hot dog stand. I don't want to spend 80 hours a week focused on my, you know, my, uh, you know, my uh, accounting software. Right. right. And so I, I'm going to spend a little bit of time learning it. And then once I learn it, I stick with it. Right. Think about uh, Adobe Photoshop. Right. Are there competitive competitors out there? Uh, there's actually competitors that are completely free. Yeah. You know, open source. Open source software yep. that competes with it. But you don't see everybody's shifting over to, you know, open source software for that. And, you know, there are some people who certainly have and, you know, um, <clears throat> but the industry standards uh, remains Photoshop. And a lot of that is uh, because there's a competitive advantage or, you know, because it's sticky, right? People like learning it. And once they learn it, if you're a professional, you don't want to spend all your day learning new pieces of software mm-hmm. unless it really radically improves your your workflow. Mm-hmm. And so even if something is marginally better, better here or there, you're going to just stick with what you have. Because it's just easier to, to work with. Exactly. Um, what, yeah. One of the things that I've encountered, you know, when I was in college, Chase, you know, which is pretty do- dominant in the in Texas market, Chase would come to universities and offer, you know, basically free $300 to open a bank account with Chase. And ever since then, I, I stuck with it because it's so sticky. I don't want to get out of it. It's just hassle to move all of my money all of my banking account yeah so that's a strategy that people use companies use to get you to stick right and then it just the stickiness grabs onto you for a long long time yep okay so that is a high switching cost is a competitive advantage that we just talked about the next is uh, what's widely known as network effect Um, this has been brought up in many times because of the rise of social media facebook youtube twitter Tell us about that, Hari. Yeah, so think about, um, you know, in 2011, 2012, um, there's this service called Google Plus that came out. <clears throat> and so Google Plus was, you know, supposed to be a competitor, maybe it may have been earlier, like 2010, uh, that was a competitor to Facebook. And it had some features that were more privacy focused, you know, that you could limit your circle of friends and things like that. Google had all the money in the world to try and promote this service. And Facebook was this dominant player already. And, you know, Google plus I still around, but it is not, you know, the dominant force that Facebook is. And simply for the fact is the reason that people go on to Facebook is their friends are on Facebook. Right. And so there's a network of people already there. And so people go there because there are other people on it. Right. It, It, you know, this started, largely when the internet kind of grew up, you know, with, you know, people kind of associated this with eBay, right? Why did people buy off of eBay? Well, because there was more stuff to buy from eBay. So then they went there. And so Facebook kind of has that where people are on Facebook already. So, you know, the competitors have a, have to pull people away from Facebook in order to get, uh, get competition, you know, you know, onto their own platform. And so is it possible? Sure. You know, and I think one of the things that we're seeing now is that, you know, Facebook has been in the news for the last year or so. Recently, actually. Yeah. Uh, Shirley uh, Sandberg is uh, testifying and, and Twitter guy as well. Yeah. So I, I think there's a lot of like concern amongst, you know, certain groups of people about privacy and things like that. 
uh, and there has always been. And so some people have deleted their Facebook accounts. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of, uh, you know, things about this Cambridge Analytics stuff. Yep. So that, that kind of drives people away. But what we haven't seen really is, you know, in mass people leaving. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it in, in, in effect, there are some people who left. There's more people who've come on. So at the end of the day, there hasn't been any net, you know, effect. Um, but but really, what it is is that <clears throat> Facebook has, you know, if you think about it, some other service like Snapchat offers a feature that Facebook doesn't have. Well, what ha- what what ends up happening is Facebook just copies the feature, right? <laughs> exactly. Whether it's on it, their Instagram, Instagram platform or yeah. or their own platform, yeah. so. You know, the network effect is they're really their only competitive advantage. That is what's protecting their users from, uh, you know, you, you know, staying on their platform. Yeah. And so then they have Snapchat doesn't have that large user base so they can steal, you know, features from them without, uh, you know, without consequence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we talked about this, you know, Facebook and, and some other, you know, social media platforms and companies that use network effect as their competitive advantage like you said, Facebook's core competitive advantage is network effect, not technology, not any of these things that they're, you know, that people tend to push. It's really the core of it gets to the network effect. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why they're able to sustain their business. So that's the network effect. And the fourth one we want to cover, fourth competitive advantage we want to cover is lowest cost provider. Sometimes just providing the cheapest good and services can be a competitive advantage. You tell us about that, Harry. So this is my favorite competitive advantage for a lot, for a lot of reasons. Uh, Shoe, for instance. Yeah. Uh, we By will... the way, Harry's a big fan of Skechers, and he owns Skechers stocks, and he wears a lot of Skechers. Yeah, we won't <laughs> we won't we won't talk about that one today, but we'll, we will. I, I will probably mention it uh, in the future. But I, I think the classic example is probably Walmart, right? So, yep. You know that that one's probably the easiest to understand. Yep. You know, in terms of a lot of. You know, low cost provider is basically the the person who can provide a good or service cheaper than anyone else, mm-hmm. right? So if you think about that, let, think about I'm trying to make the most money, right, in this market, and in in a in a very competitive market, price really. If I'm selling a commodity, right, which is whatever shoes, in the case of Walmart, it's basically everything, right, everything retail. If I can sell it for a little bit cheaper than my competitor, then people come to my store, mm-hmm. right? And if I can sell a lot of goods, then people come to my store because it's just a one place, one-stop shop, right? Mm-hmm. So what ends up happening is, uh, you know, y- you get this, you know, because Walmart is so huge, they have the ability to buy in, you know, enormous bulk, right? And, and then they provide those savings onto their customers by providing it cheaper than anybody else can. And so what ends up happening is it is a very powerful moat because they are so much cheaper than everybody else that their ability to squeeze people out, right? And you've we've seen this, you know, and people complained from the 60s on, oh, you know, Walmart has crushed all these small, you know, thing, you know, small businesses and so forth. Well, Walmart has crushed those small businesses to the value of, you know, to the benefit of the consumer, right? I'm paying less for the same good than I am. I mean, who wants to pay full price for anything, right? I mean, after all, we're all value investors. That's essentially what, yeah. you know, what value investing <laughs> is, is, you know. Bargain hunting. Yeah, it's dumpster diving, really, yeah. right? And I mean, who who doesn't love more, uh, you know, dumpster diving than at Walmart, right? Yeah. I mean, you can buy things for cheap, right? And so the idea here is, is that com- the lowest cost provider is able to sustain d- downturns, 
better than anybody else because they can absorb that cost reduction without uh, you know impact to their business mm-hmm. as opposed to the high cost provider. Um, I, and I, I think the other thing that, you know, and this is an aside to the moat concept is that l- the low cost provider tends to be the business that has the most focus on, you know, the, the best run business, right? If they're the low cost provider, they really focus on providing that at a, at a you know, at a razor thin margin then that means that they have to. They know exactly how their business is run successfully. And yeah, so, yeah, that's a really actually that's a really interesting point. Actually, I'd never really thought about that that as a as a kind of a tangent to low low cost provider because, like you said, if you want to provide something at a at a thin thin margin, you need to understand exactly how this how this price point is your how how you're able to sustain this price point from. From all the way from sourcing to logistics to you know retailing everything, yep. So that's a very interesting interesting point you bring bring up there. Yeah. So low cost provider is our fourth competitive advantage. Let's move on to our fifth strong brand. We talked about it early on. We talked about it. Starbucks being one of the one of the companies that benefit from their strong brand. Uh, tell us about that strong brand. So I'm not a coffee drinker, so I'm not going to bring up Starbucks, <laughs> but. Um, my favorite example is actually Disney, right? Mm. So if you think about um, about it, the, the Disney brand carries with it 70 years of quality, yeah. right? If you have children, you basically can't escape the Disney tax, yeah. right? Which you couldn't. Uh, I, I mean, you yeah, went. You, I, you, yeah. I, I've gone to Disney World, <laughs> you know, three times yeah. and, I, you know, I own all the movies and all that stuff. You're happy to do it, by the way. Yeah, and I have no problem paying for yeah. it because, you know, the thing is, is that as a kid, I, I watched all those movies. It's fun to watch it as an adult with my children. And the brand itself, um, you know, in your own mind, it carries these warm fuzzies, right? Yeah. Like you think about about Disney, you're like, hey, this is, you know, I, I really like that, yeah. right? And, you know, they have the history of animation. They have the history of uh, of the theme parks. They have all of this, you know, toys, things like that, that come with it. And, you know, think about, you know, as, you know, a lot of people think um, childhood is like their favorite, the you know, their favorite part of their life, right? That mm-hmm. time between, you know, four and like 10 years old yeah. is, you know, when they really have, you know, you you remember fondly as a, you know, yeah. as an adult is your childhood. Well, and when, what does Disney cater to? Your childhood, right? So that brand itself carries so much weight with it right and um you know walt disney i think was one of the best businessmen you know in all in the history of the world um and you know he you know his childhood was very heavily influenced by his time when he lived in small town called marceline missouri and it was actually the you know he was there like when he was like four till about 10 years old so that same time frame is what he focused his entire life on was making products, you know, for, uh, for, and, and, you know, for him, it wasn't about the profit, right? He, he never thought about it from a profit standpoint, but he always made a lot of money. And it was because his focus was on the quality of the product and maintaining that, you know, the Disney brand image. I mean, their customer service is fantastic. You, you can't really go there and not feel good about it. Right. And so, you know, that brand is so powerful and I, you know, you know, now, brand reputation is something that can be quickly evaporated, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, overnight. 
um, you know, if, you know, if, the, if we find out that, you know, a company that we love is doing something, you know, horrendous or, you know, uh, you some know, scandal. It, it, yeah. some scandal can quickly change that. Right. But, you know, it's a reputation is something that's built over a lifetime and lost in a second. Right. Um, so you, you, you always have to be careful about brands. Um, but, you know, typically brands have a very can be a very strong moat mm-hmm. um, uh, in, in many cases. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's a that's the strong brand brand competitive advantage that Hari just talked about with a great example of Disney. Disney um, is a great great brand. Okay, let's move on to the next competitive advantage, which is regulation. Regulation. In fact, we are in a regulated space. Hari and I work at a healthcare startup. Healthcare is a highly regulated space. So tell us about regulation as a competitive advantage. Yeah. So if you have to go and get uh, regulated you know, by a government institution, whether that's the FDA, the FAA, or some other, you know, organization, um, you know, it typically means that, you know, you get a, um, you get some protection because you have to do some level of work to get there, right? And so that kind of limits the lazy people from, you know, (laughs) going after what you're doing, right? That's, that's part of this, Mm -hmm. right? Um, You know, there are some that are more complex like um you know patents allow you to get a um a uh a, you know like a 70 year exclusive 17 year exclusive license to you know and, and it may be less in some cases but for drugs it's you know up to 17 years to be able to sell that particular chemical formula um and you have to spend a lot of money up front to to prove to the fda that this uh you know this chemical is you know is valuable mm-hmm. um and so once you have that in place, you are able to sell for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Now, um, there are other types of regulatory, you know, things that are maybe a little less thing. I mean, think about uh, Boeing or Lockheed Martin. Yep. You know, they have these contracts with the government for, um, you know, providing planes and so forth. You, you just can't, you know, um, I, you and I can't just start a plane manufacturing company today now you say, well, that's startup capital and all these other things, but there's also a regulatory component to it that they have to, you know, uh, you know, pass mm-hmm. in order to to meet that. And uh, you know, that's a very very strong moat because, you know, if the government is going to put out a bid for a certain contract, you know, you have to meet certain criteria, you know, and that those criteria allow you to limit your competition, right? Mm-hmm. Lockheed knows exactly what the criteria are, so they skate towards where the puck is going to be in this yep. case. Yeah, Lockheed Martin and you know some other contract, defense contractors, they spent a lot of money lobbying, and that's part of the expense that they have to put into place to get that regulation. And also, I want to point out that regulation, if, you play, if, you're, if you're looking into multinational companies, you have to look at regulation regulations in different countries and different jurisdictions. Yep. And so you can have a regulation in one place, regulation moat, regulation competitive advantage in one place, but you might not in other countries. Right. So something to consider there. Let's move on to our seventh competitive advantage, which is related to regulation, yep. is uh, intellectual property. Hari mentioned uh, drug, uh, patents. So this is kind of a tangent to regulation, but more specific to to IP. T- tell us about that. Yeah. So so intellectual property is could could be something like a patent uh, or um, a copyright, um, where you have the ability to you know think about a music uh, uh, business that, or or in the case of Disney, they have a copyright and a trademark on, you know, uh, Mickey Mouse and the, and that's that kind of thing. 
you know, it could be a patent for, you know, a drug or, or uh, you know, a medical device, you know, uh, kind of thing. But there's also, um, you know, so the, the intellectual property is kind of a very large thing. But, you know, the other thing that you can think about is um, sometimes it's just a trade secret, right? And that trade secret is, you know, think about WD-40, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is a lubricant that costs a lot of money to reproduce. Nobody else has really kind of reproduced it. There's no patent on WD-40. It is a trade secret. The 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 guy who developed it took, you know, it's took 39 tries and then on the 40th he found a lubricant that really worked and rather than patenting it he just didn't release the formula Mm -hmm. so that nobody could actually replicate this right right and so if you look at the formula for coca-cola it's the same thing right it's heavily guarded in a vault in you know atlanta georgia Mm -hmm. it doesn't have any you know i mean could i go and find all the ingredients and mix it myself yeah but in the case of Coca-Cola, it's not really the formula that's what's making it valuable. It's the brand. It's the brand, yeah. And the other things that go with it. Right. So, But to your point about you know intellectual <clears throat> property being, you got trade secret, copyright, um, you have uh, um, trade secrets, different types of intellectual properties you can define your competitive advantage around. Right. And so the difference that Hari was mentioning was, okay, patents, you have to file with the regulatory body you know, it may be a different regulatory body in one company and another, but trade secrets, you don't really file anything. It's just, you, you store it away because with patents, when you file it, you're basically saying, okay, here's what I did. Like this, these are the steps that you took to get to Coca-Cola or yep. these are the steps you took to get to, uh, you know, s- some invention. And you're disclosing that to the entire world and saying, okay, we want a patent on this. Whereas trade secret, you're not, you're not, you're not really disclosing any of that and saying Okay, we're not going to disclose any of this, but at the same time, we're not going to get the protection that is provided by the regulatory agency. Yep. So, just wanted to clarify that. So, that's intellectual property as a competitive advantage. Uh, competitive advantage in our list number seven. Let's move on to number eight competitive advantage: high cost infrastructure. Uh, this is a. This is an interesting one. I think this is an interesting one in the sense that um, it applies to pretty large very large industries. Yeah. Tell us about high cost infrastructure competitive advantage. <clears throat> so, I mean, if you look at um, your electric utility, you know, they have to spend a lot of money up front to build a power plant to build the, uh, you know, the wiring to, you know, connect you, you know, your, your house basically all the way to the grid to, and then to the, you know, to the power plant. So that, you know, is an is you know is a multi-million-dollar, sometimes billion-dollar investment, and so providing that service is you know something that requires a lot of capital, requires a lot of, so you know, two people who are just saying, "Hey, I'm going to disrupt the utility business, uh, oil and gas." Yeah, I'm not. It's just not going to happen, <laughs> right? right? I, yeah. I mean, you have to raise money to do that, yeah. right? And so a lot of people talk about that. I, I think you see this also with some of the older industries, yeah. like railroad. Yeah. You know, railroads are one of the the uh, classic examples of, you know, a business that requires a ton of investment, right? In order to maintain the, you know, to put rails down, run that, you have to get permits from and approvals from the owners of the land. You know, you have to get all of this. And it requires government intervention. It requires a lot of other things. So you get this all set up. Once you have that infrastructure in place, you are the only person who can put 
you know, railroad Car- uh, cars yeah. on that track. Yeah. Now you can allow other people on and just charge them a fee, or you can run your own rail, you know, on top of that. You've already done the work to put, you know, to lay down the track, so you may as well, you know, run the cars in between the two places. But it's very, you know, it can be very profitable once that is in place. Mm-hmm. So, you know, high cost infrastructure is is great, especially if it's a legacy thing that you 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 just continue to maintain, right? If you don't have to actually put it into place, it's fantastic. And mm-hmm. you know, this is one of the things that uh, could be very profitable, very lucrative for a business. Um, but you know, today starting those businesses, this is what keeps competition away: is that they just don't have the money to compete with you. Exactly. How are you know, like you said, how are we going to raise billions and billions of dollars to lay down a track? There's yeah. no, there's no way we're going to do that. And yeah. that's, that's a moat. Yeah. And I think if you think about it this way, like, let's say I gave you a hundred billion dollars mm. today and I want you to go beat Amazon at, at retail. You think you could do it? No, probably not. No. And it, it's not because, <laughs> because it's, it's, it's not an issue of money, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I could give you all the money in the world. You're not going to go beat Walmart at, at what Walmart does. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, maybe you can compete. Right. But I mean, they have all of this history right Mm -hmm. and that history is invested into their stores and their infrastructure and all this stuff so you can try but it's going to be really hard to very very difficult you know very very difficult so the so that's a high cost infrastructure competitive advantage so let's uh kind of wrap it up and uh kind of summarize this competitive advantage we talked about eight different competitive advantage i just want to touch on them really quickly one monopoly two high switch cost High switching costs, also known as stickiness. Number three, network effect. We talked about Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Fourth, lowest cost provider. Great example, Walmart. Fifth, strong brand. Great example of that would be Disney. Uh, Number six, regulation. Seven, intellectual property. And eight, high cost infrastructure. So those are the competitive advantage that we talked about. But I I do want to mention this. You know, a, a business can have multiple competitive advantage. You can have multiple moats. You know, a, a company could have, a, let's say, a brand moat and an intellectual property moat, or this company have could, could have network effect and a brand, uh, such as Facebook. You could have, you know, Facebook has a brand, but but it also has uh, network network effect as as its uh, competitive advantage. So companies could have multiple. Uh, you want to mention something about that, Harry, really quick. Yeah, I mean, I think just <clears throat> you can have multiple moats. Moats can also change, right? Mm-hmm. They're dynamic. So, you know, just like companies are dynamic, and we talked about that earlier uh, in an earlier episode, moats can change over time. And you can see this with, you know, a company like Sears, right? For a long time, they were the retailer, you know, and then Walmart and other companies came around and slowly ate away at their business. And now they're a, for- a shell of their former self. So, you know, they change over time, they disappear. So you have to be constantly on your guard, constantly learning about how the the, reta- the industry is changing, whether it's retail or oil and gas or whatever you're, you're looking at, whatever company you're looking at, or in our case, hot dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, um, and, I, you know, I, I think the other thing is competitive advantage is a very complex concept. It's not something that you're going to listen to a 30-minute podcast and then just understand we're going to talk about this a lot over the next however many episodes yeah, we do. Yeah. And I think it's really important to kind of learn this and just kind of, you know, let it uh, sit in your mind for a little while. And then let's we revisit this concept again and again 
you'll start to understand it better you yeah, know, over time. Absolutely. So let's, why don't we do a quick exercise? You know, we talked about hot dog stand as an example, yeah. as, as if we're starting a business. So now that we've covered competitive advantages, eight of them, let's, let's do an exercise and, and, and do a mental exercise of, okay, when you're starting a hot dog stand, what could be your competitive advantage? Let's talk about that. Yeah. And so I, <laughs> it's going to be tough, right? Very I think, tough. You know, when you start any business in the restaurant industry, you know, you could have a special recipe. You could have some, you know, literally literal uh, secret sauce, yeah. right? You know, and that could be what what allows you to attract people. Uh, in some cases, it's like you have a celebrity owner who is, you know, able to promote it through some his other name. means, you know, other than his own, his or her own, you know, restaurant yep. or, or name. And that, that allows them to attract a following. Mm. Um, but that's not always, you know, sustainable either. Right. Um, you know, celebrities, you know, disappear over time as they, you know, if you're a basketball you know, star, when you stop playing basketball, you may not be as well remembered as, you know, when you were playing. So that can help, you know, that hurts you. Mm -hmm. So really, when we're starting this hot dog business, what is our advantage? I mean, hot dogs itself are a fairly cheap, you know, item. So being a low cost provider in that space may not really save me a lot of money. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Dollar hot dog versus 50, 90 cents hot dog. Yeah. It's one and the same. Right. And, and you know, some people may not want a cheaper hot dog, right? Yeah. I mean, there'd be, let's be honest, hot dogs are just basically, you know, whatever's <laughs> left over, right? So, <laughs> You know, if I'm making a hot dog, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't necessarily want the cheapest hot yeah, dog, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but so you can't have a monopoly, right, yeah. on on the hot dog business. Right. I certainly can't own all of the hot dogs, right? Mm -hmm. And even if I did, I, I don't know that I, I could necessarily. I may be able to charge a premium, but not, not, not really, right? There's, yeah. you know, my hot dog store has no competitive advantage over another hot dog store. So you can go in between these two without really any expense right mm -hmm. so there's no switching costs yeah um there's no network effects because yep. you, you don't come to my hot dog store because other people are eating at my hot dog store mm -hmm. right um yep. you know and we talked about low cost provider yeah so i mean it's possible that we could build a brand around you know the hot dog itself the the hot dog brand that we you know we create you know and it stands for quality and it stands for you know high you know t you know taste and things like that so that that's kind of where i feel like the only competitive advantage we could have but if you're starting out you don't really have a brand yeah. right and so you you know that's where a celebrity owner could help you you know uh help you out but i i, I don't feel like there's a brand to start with you that's something that you build over time mm -hmm. and it can create a reputation you know for that for that brand exactly yeah and then you know a few more things regulation right you could have you've you know, in, in the city of New York or in Houston, you might have to get a license from the city officials to get yeah. it. That could be a regulation. But then, you know, you have all these other competitors who already have those regulations. Right. So it's not really a moat when everyone else has what you have. Yeah. I mean, they have to just compete on a level playing field, which yeah. means they have to get the same regulated things that I have to get. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So that's, you know, that's a quick exercise through a hot dog stand. And yeah, what we just did right there is what you have to do when you are analyzing any company yep. in the stock market, you have to go through this exercise. Okay. Apple, let's look about Apple. You know, what is the competitive advantage? ABC. What is, what is, what isn't their competitive advantage? ABC. So you got to go through this mental exercise every single time when you are analyzing a company. And not only that exercise, but what will breach their moat, yeah. right? How do the barbarians get into the castle and take all the goodies, right? Yeah. 
And the, the, the way that they do that is, you know, they, ha they, you know, they have to breach your moat. And so you have to think, you know, two steps ahead of them and say, hey, if this business has a moat, but it's eroding, right, or it's getting sh smaller every day, maybe I need to, you know, step back or maybe my margin of safety has to be much larger, you know, before I would invest. You know, so th these are all factors in, you know, in your investment process that you have to start going through. Yeah. Great. So today's topic, competitive advantage. It was quite a long um, podcast it's going, pushing 40 minutes now. Thank you all for listening. Um, yeah, let's just kind of just quickly recap what we talked about today. We talked about what is competitive advantage. We talked about the idea of moat, and then we kind of summarized different types of competitive advantage, starting from monopoly all the way to high cost infrastructure, one through eight. And we talked about, uh, we went through this exercise of a hot dog stand, um, and trying to figure out if we could have a competitive advantage when we're starting this business. And, and we talked about, we can have multiple moats and the importance of talk, importance of thinking about how that moat could be preached as an investment process, very, very critical investment process. So that is it for us today. Episode six. Thank you all for listening. And if you like this, like this episode, please go ahead and subscribe to our, uh, our channel, be it YouTube or be it on, on the podcast app that you're listening to. Uh, please, please do that. It, we're just starting out. So any help that we can get will, uh, will help us and leave a comment. If you want to, um, if you want to, you know, chat with us, we'll be happy to respond uh, to your uh, to your comments. So, thank you all. We'll see you on the next episode.